0: That sounded weird. <laughs> All right, it's going down. Just give it a minute. The third degree
1: nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast. Third degree, the third degree nap podcast.
2: podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer Ninety. MLS first kick sale continues through Friday the 16th with $15 hats and tees. And all other gear, don't forget Third Degree listeners receive 25% off with promo code THIRDDEGREE at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to Third Degree, the podcast. I'm Peter, and with me first is Dan Crook. Hello, Peter. Hello, Dan. How are you today? I am good. And, of course, editor and founder, your hero and mine of thirddegree.net, the good Buzz Carrick.
0: Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter calling in today from the FC Dallas practice facility because once they let me in, I refuse to leave ever. (laughs)
2: Man, you posted that video of yourself <laughs> out at practice today, and uh, you look like a five-year-old child on Christmas Day who knew he was getting a bike for Christmas.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Even when I recorded, that was the second version because I couldn't even get my brain to like come together with like an actual sentence to say. I mean, if you watch it, you could tell. I'm, I was like, I had no idea what to say. <laughs> I was so <laughs> thrown off by, overwhelmed by being there. Uh, it was nice. I mean, look, you know, Thank you to SC Dallas for actually figuring out a way to let people a certain amount of media go. And the setup is terrific. You have to be over on the sideline. That's fine. That's where we used to be anyway. They have a little section roped off. that's the, the correct distance from the field, but it's inside the fence. So it's fantastic. It's just exactly like it always was. And you get to watch everything you, get to, you used to always watch. So super excited and thank them again for letting me do it. So they didn't have to. They, and it was nice that they are.
2: Well, we are on the precipice of another uh, MLS season, this one, actually. Now, this is where I think this gets confusing, because earlier today, FC Dallas sent out a tweet celebrating the fact that it was 25 years ago today that the Dallas Burn played its first game in the Cotton Bowl against uh, San Jose, and... I thought to myself, "Wait a second! How can that be?" Because I was told the twenty-fifth anniversary of the league was last season.
1: Yeah, was it not? (laughs) Well, then remember they did this a couple of years ago with the fifty years of soccer, and it was like, "Well, it's not actually the fiftieth anniversary; it's like the fiftieth year." You know, kind of like that. Great, you just turned thirty. That means you're, you know, it's we're into your thirty-first year. It's all, you know, just Why not just wait out to the right time and celebrate things appropriately?
2: Then that leads me to this question. Shouldn't MLS, and this isn't a Dallas specific thing, shouldn't MLS have collected all of the things, the plans, the ideas, the content, the merchandise, everything that they had created to celebrate the 25th anniversary of MLS last year? In the, you know, in the year 2020, because that season got bonked due to COVID, shouldn't they have just essentially just packed it all up and done it this year since it actually is the 25th anniversary this year?
0: Well, it wasn't, I think technically it's the 26th season though. The last season was the 25th season. That's the stupidity of your anniversary versus your birthday and versus it it can be annoying.
2: So confusing.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the 26th season of soccer. And it's the 24th season of Third Degree. I know that. So right. count it however you like.
2: Right, exactly. But it, today is an important day, at least uh, specifically for Buzz and I. Dan, you were I don't think you were in Dallas in 1996, were you? Were I, you even I alive know. in 1996? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was and 10 years old. All right, screw you. Uh, Buzz, this is a big day for you and I, because this was the day that we actually saw the Dallas burn in the flesh for the very first time. And that's important to me. And I believe it probably is to you too.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal. I I watched it on television, of course, because I lived in New England at the time, but
2: I was living in New York City.
0: Yeah, but I definitely remember for sure that um, the beginning of the the thing, I was actually working for the Revolution in 96 and 97, but I even then I, I knew that Dallas was my hometown team and the team that I was going to cheer for. Um, so, you know, for me, the, the the start of this franchise is obviously a very big deal considering that a lot of my life is now built around it. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah,
2: yeah I forgot, Buzz. Neither. It's so ironic that uh, two, I think, you know, day one Dallas Burn fans didn't actually live in Dallas at the time. You were in New England, I was in New York, and while neither one of us were actually there at that very first game, I think you're like me. I ended up seeing Dallas play in that first year, not only in the Cotton Bowl over the course of the season, I also saw them play multiple times at Arrowhead Stadium with Kansas City, up at Mile High in Denver, I saw them play in the uh, Meadowlands in New York, and I'm sure there was at least one or not, or two other places in that first season uh, and those were some of the best times I could possibly remember. So uh, happy anniversary, Buzz.
0: Yeah, thank you, sir. My, my remembrance of them coming to uh, Foxborough and um, Lionel Alvarez and, and Hugo Sanchez getting into it with the crowd. And at one point, uh, Lionel Alvarez uh, kind of pulls up the shorts on the leg of Hugo a little bit and gestures to it and then gestures to the crowd because Hugo had these blood trails down his leg from where he got cleated on the thigh. Uh, in that game. And he was, they were, they were both gesturing to the crowd. You know, those guys were, they were happy and relishing the moment, you know, and the fans all booed him and they all were happy that they got booed. And, uh, the one opening day story I'll never forget is that drew Moore was at the opening day Dallas burn game when he was like 12, which is always a fun story. Mm
2: And then he went on to become a burn player. Was he ever, was he actually, no, he was a FC Dallas player. He was never in a burn jersey, was he?
0: Yeah, not specifically a burn jersey, an FC Dallas jersey. But it was still, you know, I mean, if if we'd have had homegrowns, he would have been a one. Yeah, you know, and He sure. was, He was. you know, he, he first came out to training, I think. I don't remember specifically seeing him in high school, but I think it was the summer after his high school year before he was even in college. I remember him coming out and training. He and Ugo Amalu um, were the other ones that, I remember seeing as high schoolers basically come out and train.
2: Well, I'm sure there are pod listeners who are frustrated that Buzz and I are traveling down Old Man Path and Memory Lane um, and want to get to the practice stuff. But before we get to practice stuff, there is other business. It listed here in the run sheet, the podcast agenda, booze tasting.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, so I guess we,
2: I guess there's some booze to be tasted, which seems very out of place for a soccer podcast. Or maybe well, it's not. The- but it's in crayon, so
1: it's important. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's true.
0: Well, you know, we have this reward for our patrons who support it, a certain level of a Discord server. Uh, and in there one day, we got into discussion about whiskey and booze. And I had mentioned that I liked really smoky scotches in particular. And we got into the talk of different flavored scotches. And somebody mentioned that they had had a bacon whiskey. And I thought, wow, that's something I got to try. So... One of our biggest uh, supporters and followers, Trent Dismuk, sent us a bottle of this bacon whiskey. So uh, Dan and I have some to try, and we're going to (laughs) basically try it live. We have not tried it. I have no idea what it's going to taste like, so we're going to try it, and we're going to see what uh, it tastes like. Can we just
1: preface this by saying that Buzz, earlier today on the way back from practice, pulled up in front of my office and handed me a mason jar full of a warm golden liquid buzz is a very pungent jarring his,
2: his urine
0: yeah
1: <laughs> clearly
2: buzz isn't hydrating very well because it's so golden yellow <laughs> yeah
0: well it was hot today at training
2: uh so anyway do you have you those uh i mean
1: yeah why not give it a try
2: While you guys are tasting it, I do have a question. If this is uh, bacon related, are there like little bits of bacon in the bottom like a
0: worm in the tequila? No, it's called Old Major Bacon Flavored Bourbon Whiskey. baconed and bottled by Tennessee or in Tennessee, it says.
2: All right. Well, I don't drink, so you guys are the ones doing this. Um, Go ahead,
1: Dan. Are we we doing it together or are we doing it separately? No, you try. Drink the liquid. Oh, it smells like piss now. Okay, I
2: nothing. This is an elaborate prank to get Dan to drink Buzz's
0: urine.
1: Yeah, Dan,
0: you can say something while I'm
1: trying it. Wow, you are a massive alcoholic. If that's your urine, <laughs> uh, it's it's this. I didn't taste bacon at all. I'm kind of disappointed. It just tastes like a pretty smooth bourbon.
0: No, I'm getting some bacon flavor for sure. It's very smooth, caramelly uh whiskey mm. bourbony you know so it's it's like honey glazed hamish kind of bacon vibe going on wow that's actually really good hold on yeah. i we'll be back in a yeah. few minutes mm-hmm. I'm more this.
2: all right so if, here's if how the rest any of any... this pod's gonna go listeners <laughs> um i'm gonna be doing a lot of talking and dan and buzz are gonna be babbling like oh, drunken yeah. idiots in the background hey, wow. this
1: isn't the first part i've been drinking whiskey for that's I'm already really going good.
2: to suggest that by the end of this, when we get to predictions, they're both going to suggest Dallas is winning MLS okay. Cup and the yeah. Supporter Shield. Just
1: going to drop some water in to open it up a little bit. And yeah.
2: Jesus.
0: That is actually Trent, Trent Desbuk. Thank you, sir. That is outstanding. I'm going to enjoy drinking this bottle. Wow. I'm going to have a little bit more. Hold on. All <laughs> right, Peter, let's go on with the show. <laughs>
2: I am still looking forward to Drunk Buzz podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, edit this. It'll be fun.
2: No, no editing. We want all <laughs> of it in here. I, all of it in there. Whew. Okay, uh, before we get to training today, we did have a final preseason game against the hated Houston Dynamo uh, down in Houston, and Dallas rolled out the 3-4-3 again, uh, took off one Edwin Cerillo, and inserted one Brasson. uh Buzz? How are you feeling about that performance?
0: Well, Houston's not very good. but No, they're not. In fact, wait, hold on. Before we go on,
2: who's actually better, Austin or Houston? Austin. Well, that says a lot because I remember sitting in the stands last Saturday going, oh, my God, Austin is terrible.
0: Well, here's the thing about preseason. Um, Sometimes coaches do stuff to limit themselves like Austin, for example, started what we thought was basically their second team. Right. And so we, we watched Austin outpossess Dallas and then we watched Dallas go down and thoroughly Luchi ball Houston. Well, it's entirely possible. And we don't know that Luchi said to the team against Austin, I want you to sit deep and practice low block and counter. So they spent the whole day doing that, you know, so we don't really know that for sure, but Sometimes preseason games have to be thrown out because of that, but there is a big takeaway from Houston, and that's that we saw the return of what I consider to be Lucci ball, which is the more possession, a little bit of the high press, which Houston didn't deal well with. But the biggest takeaway is the three four three because you're looking at what is basically the final tune-up for the spring, right for the for the first start of the season, the first game, and and Lucci rolls out a three four three. We've seen it used more this spring, so it's likely that we're going to see it more. This year than we have in the past, there was even a thing in the, on the press conference today that uh, Dan was on for where they mentioned, Dan Hunt mentioned specifically that Lucci had all this time to actually work on other formations because they had a real preseason. So that's the big takeaway is that, and, and, and we'll come back to it when we talk about the Rapids playing again, is basically that all the positions have been won or lost in preseason except for one fulcrum point and that's are you 343 with Prasanna as your third center back or are you 433 with Evan Cereo as your 6 that's basically the only thing left being determined and it's right now looks like it's at least for opening day probably 343
2: all right but it seems very odd to me that for a team that really struggled creating opportunities last year To take an attacking player or at least a midfield player off and replace it with an extra center back seems counterintuitive to improving this team's chance creation rate.
0: Well, maybe, but you remember how often last year we talked about how important the outside backs were in a Lucci system. If you go 3-4-3, those outside backs become all of a sudden more like outside mids, and they're further up the field and therefore offering theoretically more in the attack. So while I'm with you in terms of losing a player out of the middle, the player you lost out of the middle is a 20-year-old kid, you know, and so maybe there's something to be said for it being more offensive to be in this shape. I mean, the front's going to be the same, basically. It's really only just the back that changes.
1: It's worth pointing out, there's, the differences are kind of minuscule, really. You know, when they play in the back three, Brisson's kind of the spare guy that plays effectively as a six when the ball's going forward. You know, when they play a back four, the sixth, tends to compress in between the centre backs. So, you know, really it's just the individual skill set of the player than you know, then more so than their role.
0: Yeah, this one of the things Lucci talks about with the three man back line is narrowing the gaps between the centre backs when you're playing a team like this, uh, when you have a, sorry, when you have a center back like this, an extra one, one of your center backs is free to go at any midfielder that's coming forward, as opposed to when you have a six, when that guy is trailing that guy or tracking that guy. If your midfielders, perhaps Acosta and Acosta and Ricarte, are a little bit slow to track, perhaps this gives you an extra guy to attack at a, a six coming or a midfielder coming at you. So. Um, Lucci likes to talk a lot about responsibilities and roles more than like strict tactical formations because of the, the fluidity of what he's doing. So it's not crazy different to go 3-4-3 versus 4-3-3 in terms of the way Lucci does it. So um, that mainly the big difference is the extra center back versus the six. You know, that's like a 15-yard difference in position, so it's not incredibly different.
2: So my next question would be, is the decision to move to a 3-4-3 in part of the, uh, in part because they sold Santos, or they, did they sell Santos because they knew they could move to the three four three?
0: Oh wow, that's a good question. It might be a little bit of both. You know, Lucci likes to use this formation, in particular when he's going up against what he considers to be like a, a two striker system or particularly fast strikers. You know, because of that space compression. Um, when you play two strikers and you go three center backs, you have an extra center back to help double and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, there's no sweeper in this thing, but it definitely raises the question, like, if, if you were going to do this, would Santos have been on the field? You know, if, if you're going to have this formation in half the time, it's like and uh, if someone here comes a million bucks for a guy that might be sitting half the games, you know, certainly a contributing factor, I'd have to say.
2: Dan, do you think there's any chance that uh, this actually is a, a, a structure designed to help them uh, defensively because they've moved Ryan over on the right where he's clearly still not as comfortable as he is on the left, and they've got Johnny on the left who is a good defensive player but maybe still trying to figure out going forward?
1: Yeah, I think maybe it's just a little bit of uh, recognizing that you're going up against a team who have a strong midfield uh, especially, you know, you've got Eunice Namli as an attacking midfielder, you leave. The last thing you kind of want is Edwin Cerillo kind of chasing back after him if you can put an extra defender in front of him. And then as well, you've potentially got, if uh, if Johnny Nelson does start at left back, you've got him coming up against Michael Barrios, who has played against him in training god knows how many times and probably knows a trick or two to getting around him so again just kind of reinforcing that back line can just kind of help things and give you a little more option even when playing out from the back
2: yeah my only comment is it does seem a bit surprising to me that they would want to throw in a third center back when they got uh, uh, they brought in such a you know a noted improvement in the center back with uh, Martinez but Um, I'm sure it all sorted out as the season goes on. Also from the Dynamo game, Buzz, you were super excited and very enthusiastic by the performance of one Frank O'Hara.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I don't think it changed my opinion in the big picture. But like I always say about what we do is we try and, you know, call it like it is. Not to use a cliche, but... You know, that was, for me, probably Hara's best game in an FC Dallas uniform. Now, do I want it to be way, way better than that? Absolutely. But uh, it was interesting that he got hit by Parker a couple of times early, pretty hard, uh, you know, without fouling. And then Parker got in his face and jawed at him a little bit. And it was almost like that woke Frank O'Hara up. I mean, one of the biggest complaints last year, for me, was sort of an engagement. engagement. Like, he didn't really, he wasn't really motivated. He was kind of half-assing at all the time. And, and not really engaged with his team necessarily all the time, but after that he was, and you so you saw one of the most engaged, most energetic, most dialed in performances we've seen from Franco all season. All you know, it's only been a season he's been here, scored a goal, and even if he hadn't scored, did things that you need him to do. And it's like all you got to do is play like that. You know, we're not asking you to be a forty goal scorer and carry on this team. All you got to do is be a solid contributing player that's dialed in and given a crap and doing your responsibilities and your roles and playing with some fever. And that's going to be enough. And he did that. So I gave him credit on that performance. I thought it was his best in a Dallas uniform, frankly.
2: We also saw some other really nice performances uh, from Ricarte and two of the other new additions in Vargas and even Obreon.
0: Yeah. It was funny that since, since the last two games, which were actually on video, MLS has decided that Freddie Vargas is the new hotness with this team because they keep putting him in all this social stuff and talking about what a big impact he's going to have. Uh, you know, listen, the, the big question mark coming into the spring was across the front line. And for the final tune up against, again, not a great team, but for the final tune up to have Frank O'Hara have a great game, O'Brien have a great game, and Vargas have a great game, that's where a lot of the questions were with this team coming into the spring so it was a positive day it's not everything but it was a positive day
2: all right so they finish up the preseason, winning this new uh what copa uh, uh el copalita copalito yeah copalito so la copita uh, la copita thank no, you man. Yeah, leave it to the english guy to teach us some Spanish uh, so we've got uh, a little piece of silverware to go in the trophy cabinet so good for that then today as we talked about earlier Buzz went to training uh, put a big smile on his face and before mm. we knew it that <laughs> we got a frown That got it all got turned upside down as they say because we got a piece yeah. of bad news today
0: well you know I noticed that Jesus wasn't there so I started asking people and uh, I found out that he hurt his shoulder the day before, and that was really all I had at the time. Uh, and then credit to Dan, because Dan got on the media call, the Lucci and the Dan Hunt media call, and Dan asked um, Lucci what the deal was, other than the fact that he hurt his shoulder, and Dan watched to tell everybody what he said.
1: Yeah, he said, um, you know, he, he kind of prefaced it by saying he hadn't spoken to the athletic trainer just yet, but... Uh, that Jesus had uh, sustained uh, some ligament damage to his shoulder the previous day in training, and that he would be uh, shelved for, you know, what they're saying at the moment is three to five weeks. Uh, you know, Lucci carried on to say he was really heartbroken after really all the work that Jesus has put in pre season between the national team, the under-23s, and scoring in the uh, the last two games. Uh make make uh horror uh breathe a little easier but um yeah he, you know how Lucci can be sometimes where he if he if he's really kind of emotive about something he doesn't does he's not quite as wordy as one of those situations where he was kind of just straight to the point and you know there was a bit of distress in his face
2: hmm. i hope that's not an uh an omen for the rest of the season
1: Yeah, that would be, losing Jesus would be rough.
0: Um, It is a spot where there's two other guys, Hara and Pepe, so it's not the end of the world. But uh, I would feel terrible for Jesus, who's had a great couple of camps with the national team and the Olympic team. So
1: So, uh, can we count that as a double Huntsman dump or just one with additional information? (laughs) I think it's just one big one. Okay, (laughs) a massive dump. It's a team
2: dump. Well, uh, so what else did you notice at practice today that you would love to share with the good pod listener?
0: Well, would it be okay with you if we talk about Paxton?
2: Yes, of course.
0: Yeah. So let's go with the good news first, is he looks much better than sort of any weird glimpses I've seen on video. He's still only, to my eye, about 90%, and that's the negative really. He for sure has put on upper body muscle, uh, whether he hit the weights or whether he just filled out because he's maturing, I, it's hard to tell. But there's definitely some upper body strength going on there to hold people off himself. That's really good. What's missing to my eye? Listen, 90% Paxton is still pretty good because he still outworks and out hustles pretty much everybody else. He has the Bobby Ryan in him that way. The downsides right now is that um, a little bit of that super quick 10 yard burst that he has that is makes him so special. A little bit of that is missing, you know, and that's just going to be, you know, recovery and, and, and and getting back. That's not something I'm I'm not particularly worried about yet. Now, if six months from now, it's still like this, then it's a problem, but um, the burst is there. It's just not quite what it was because I can tell when he's playing, he's not quite reaching out for the ball as much as he, he, he as he would. You know what I mean? He's like holding mm-hmm. back a tiny little bit in terms of like stretching for the ball or really trying to crush it with his burst. I can tell he's being careful. Now, this is just my opinion. No one said this I'm just my watching. So uh, I'm really, really positive about what I saw in the sense of where he was six months ago, the surgery that he had and what I was expecting to see I'm actually really pleased that I saw a player at like 90%. So, and he played both uh, right wing and is an eight today, um, which I think was much about availability because he wasn't in the starting group at all. He was with the, you know, pretending to be the other team group. So, um, overall, a really positive viewing, in my opinion, of Paxton. So, I'm pleased by that.
2: Uh, other
0: observations
2: from the practice session? Any other player? Because this is really the first time, other than yeah. going to the Austin game, this is the first time you've seen a whole host of these guys, Martinez, Obreon, yeah. Vargas, yeah. Uh, in person.
0: Yeah, let a couple injuries. Thomas Roberts was back out doing ball movement and Thomas kicking Roberts. balls and jumping back and forth, so that was good. Tuamasi was taking part. Uh, in training completely. Again, a guy that looks like he's only like 85, 90%. Did we ever determine was... what his injury is? Well, I remember I told you Abductor, and the way he moved today looks like a guy that's coming back from that. Lucci said something about his heart, and I haven't been able to follow up on that yet. Um, we'll have time to figure that out before the guy can play, because like Paxton, he's limited. I know it's a worry, but it's like.
2: Adductors and heart issues are two very,
0: very different things. (laughs) Well, watching him run today, I'm buying the abductor. I'm not saying that the heart thing's not. Maybe Lucci, maybe he didn't say that and I totally misunderstood him, but I played it back like three times and I swear he said heart. So we're going to, I'm going to, one of these days I'll actually be able to be on a talk to Lucci more than me and 15 people and then we'll ask him about it. But, um, Tuomasi played right back today. And he and Paxson were having a lot of fun and, and clapping hands and giving high fives of each other because they're both good ball players. So they were having a lot of fun together. Um, I'm still really excited about the idea of Tuomasi as a right back. Um, Benny Redzik was out there, the new homegrown signing. Uh, he was working way harder than I've ever seen him work before. So good on him to realize the situation. That's happened.
2: In- Has that happened since we've had a podcast?
0: Yeah, it was like a week ago. Um Uh, just to get into it really quickly, I was surprised that they signed him because I didn't think he quite had it for MLS, not because he's not talented. He has always had talent, but he never has had like the mind and the focus and the drive that I thought, Oh yeah, that dude's going to make it. I always was like, you know, it's kind of just, he always coasted in the Academy. Well today that ain't the Academy. And he could, you could, I could tell he knew because he was busting his butt all over the place. So credit to him for that. Um, how much well, do
2: you think, Buzz, uh, the signing of Benny Reznik, Redz, Redzik is a business decision because Benny has citizenship over uh, in Europe versus him actually being somebody they think can help the senior team?
0: Well, it's very possible that it was a business thing because while the Bosnian passport is not EU, it definitely is options. And that kid's talked about Europe his whole life. I actually thought he had no interest in being with Dallas you know, assuming he's graduating in May. Um, So I think that's a distinct possibility. That's what it is. But at the same time, they've been signing a whole bunch of wingers because they had no idea what they had. He actually played mostly as a nine today, you Hmm. know, which is again, Jesus was out. So they needed a body to some extent. But, you know, the guy's, he's a very hot and cold player. When he's hot, he's great. But it's like he has all these cold spells. So, you know, it's, it's, he's one of these guys that could be yeah, I mean, who knows which way it's going to go? I really don't have any idea. It's going to be on him.
2: Yeah, no, you know? I, I agree, because I remember the very first time I saw him was with North Texas, and I saw him on one of his hot days, and I was like, wow, who is this guy? He's great. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of promise. And then I saw him a couple of games later where he had a cold game, And I thought, okay, uh, whatever. (laughs) And so when I was like you, when they signed him, I thought, there's got to be more to this. And this is where I think we all as fans of this club have to remember the A number one primary goal uh, is the business of uh, selling players and making a profit off of players. That is without question uh, the number one thing that's going on here. So the signing players and using up their HG slots in many ways may be tied to that uh, first and not really about adding people that can really help the roster specifically because he does have that passport. It yeah. probably is a little easier to sell, even if it's for a little bit of profit than a whole host of other guys they would have on the roster.
0: Yeah. He's been a Bosnian U18 and a U 18 and a U.S. youth international. I mean, so there's definitely skill there. Now there's, there's a lot of younger guys that have had tryouts and things they thought had lined up, get wrecked by COVID. Mm -hmm. So there's probably also something here, even potentially with Benny and or his agent or whatever, that they're like, look, we'll take a minimum homegrown deal and you can pay us for another year and a half or whatever. till we get through this mess and then you can, and you can sell me and get something right. And that way you can pay me for a little bit and then I can go when I can go. So it's possible. There's just sort of, because he is talented. He's one of the better talents that's come out in the since Tanner, basically he's the best talent that's available out of the Academy that's ready. There's some guys further down that are amazing, but they're not, you know, they're not 18. They're, they're 15. Or and they don't have a passport. They don't have a passport. Well, some right. of <laughs>
2: them and, and it's also possible that he's just one of those kind of gray area kids who yeah. is good enough to possibly play somewhere over in Europe but doesn't have the connection. So it's kind of a scratch each other's back. Hey, you guys sign me for a small homegrown deal. I'll let you make money off of me. But I also need to use you as a conduit to getting to Europe in the first place.
0: Yeah, 100%. And since Zanata has come in, there's a whole level of business kind of stuff. I mean, look at Philippe the keeper right i mean that, that guy to me is 100% like a can we buy him can we will you get enough interest playing for the, brazil that we can buy him real quick and flip him you know i mean he also looks pretty solid in training and, and in the games or whatever but you know I, there's a level of business happening with Zanata that's that wasn't here before I, you know yeah. so, i mean is there
2: but, any is there any chance you see benny even get any minutes for the, for the MLS team this year?
0: Well, today he looked better than Dante Sealy did. So, I, you know, with Paxton still being out, you know, and the the rookie that they've signed out of college who's got some interesting things, you know, there. the thing about Benny is that if you're looking for a guy to come off the bench and steal a goal and steal a game, you know, other than Pepe, and now Jesus is hurt, I don't know that he might not be the best thing you got going, actually.
2: Interesting. You okay. know,
0: I mean... He scored the other day in one of the scrimmages. You know, granted, it was like after the main scrimmage, but, um, you know, if you're talking about 10 minutes I need a goal, man, he might be, you know. Offense is tough sometimes in this league, and particularly with FC Dallas these days. So Uh, I do have a couple more things from the training, though, that I think I should talk about. Um, One of the things that concerns me a little bit about the shifting new formation is that they have not played in this shape a little very much. And now you're talking about three center backs and you're trying to build out and none of these center backs is is like a dribbler. They all are okay. They're all pretty good. Hedges is really good as a passer. And watching Jose Martinez today, he hits a really nice pass. Lots of uh weight on it. Like it's not like he just sort of fluffs it forward. No, he drives it forward when he's passing it forward. So you got to be ready to trap it as you should as a pro. You know, but he's not going to like dribble through three guys. So Brisson, same kind of thing, right? Brisson's not going to dribble a couple of guys. So that's, to me, a little bit of a worry early we will be watching that build out. Uh, Jesus Martinez is a phenomenal player. I was watching him today. He was working a lot with Johnny Nelson about how to read where Martinez is. Am I going forward or am I going back? And for Nelson to react off of that. So like working on getting the timing together down. It was just really interesting to watch a guy who's a veteran talk to a guy who's pretty young still. About that, how to read him with his body language, even so that was kind of cool. Um, and then up front, um, the one that really—I mean, both Vargas again today looked, looked great, and Obreon is is even faster in person when you're down like close. It's even quicker than I thought from sitting way up in the stand. So, and that that speed's going to be could be pretty devastating. So that's, that's pretty much everything from practice. It was really good.
2: All right, so Colorado starts off the season up in Frisco on Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, Buzz, you've uh, been kind of hyped about the Rapids. They've been a kind of a dark horse favorite across uh, many people's predictions, and uh, they've got some interesting players. And then also just not to forget that both Kellen Acosta and Michael Barrios are returning uh, to their original MLS homes. Uh, so you are you thinking that they will play in this 3-4-3 formation?
0: Yeah, Dallas. I do. I think the Rapids coach is really good, for one thing. Um, but that has nothing to do with why it's a 3-4-3. But I do think it's a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, it's, it's the people you'd expect based on the final game. Versan, Hedges, uh, Martinez, Nelson left, Ryan on the right, uh, Ricarte and Acosta in the middle, O'Brien, Darth Jader, I prefer, <laughs> Frank O'Hara, and um, Freddie Vargas on the left. I mean, that's pretty much... Locked in stone. The only way it would change would be if Lucci changes his mind and goes back to four three three with Surreal. But he doesn't do that very often. Lucci will decide formations and tactics later in the week than almost any coach uh, that I can remember here. But he doesn't do that very often. He will do it, but he doesn't do it very often. Usually by the time Wednesday rolls around, whatever you're seeing is the 11 is the 11. So that'll be your shape. Uh, I, I think it's. I'm okay with it, you know. I, I on the on the road against this team. I think it actually works out pretty well. And it'll be. It's not on the road, is it? It's here.
2: No, it's here. I just here,
0: farted that. My bad.
2: No, you're full of booze.
0: No, I was just thinking. of You know, I don't know why I thought it was on the road. I just was speaking thinking of I was
2: on the road. being full of booze, Dan. You're being awfully quiet
0: over there. I dominated. You... That's my fault.
1: Well, in that case, I can always drop a quick bomb. Uh, or, or a tiny dump, whatever you want to call it. Um, Sabolch S- 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 Schoen, uh, the winger that was signed last week, the Ajax product from Hungary. Initially, we expected him to uh, arrive in July at the end of his contract. Uh, Dan Hunt and Luci Gonzalez confirmed that he will be here in the next couple of weeks and available for selection right away. Hmm. Wow, so they got him in this
0: window. That's fantastic. They did.
2: I wonder how that
0: played out. His, his club
1: must have just decided to let him go, I guess. Yeah. What
2: do we know about the guy?
1: Uh, Left wing. <laughs> Dan was really proud to say that Chelsea wanted him. Uh, he went. He. Uh, uh, see, how he played uh, one game for the second team, uh, at Ajax. Uh, he, he won the under-19s league with Ajax, did all the. Uh, Youth Champions League, all that fun stuff. He went back to Hungary. He's kind of been the guy, uh, one of the top scorers in the league, and looks like, uh, you know, one of those kind of get relatively cheap. He's 20 years old, uh, and stash him away for a couple years and sell him off. Yeah. They they give him the number 11, by the way. It does seem, it does feel like uh, for the
2: one position that has ailed this club for forever, it feels like, they have really overcompensated at left wing now because I swear I'm up to like the count of eight players that potentially could be playing left wing for this team at this
1: point.
0: I mean, you am know, Luchin's, wrong? no, Luchin versatility. He loves that stuff. Right. I mean, you got Vargas and you got Khalil Almakar. You got Paxton Call. You've got Jesus for, you got four, Ricardo Pepe. You got five, two, six, Thomas Roberts could do it. Seven. Sean coming in. The new guy can do it. Eight. Who am I missing? Oh, Dante Sealy does it. Obreon does it in a flip-flop in the middle of the game. I think that's 10.
2: Uh, what about Mr. Uh, Benny?
0: Oh, yeah, Benny. Yeah, that's, both, that's his number one position, 11. Yeah. So you got 11 guys that can play. Oh, uh, Ryan, I only said 12.
2: Right. But, okay, <laughs> we're being ridiculous at that point. But out of that yeah. 12, there are at least, what, four, if not five guys where it's, it's almost like a primary position for them in this in this roster?
0: Yeah, certainly Sean, Benny, uh, Khalil. Vargas are basically left-wingers. And I think Paxton was until you know that was the plan. Um, sometimes I, I wonder if all these signings are because they're now panicking about Paxton. I, I think that may be not quite well, the case. but I think you know. there might
1: be an element of international dates. Like, you know, Vargas was never a guy that was in the Venezuelan national team picture, but he's had a couple of good games and now people are talking him up and they are – they are convinced that he's going to be kind of a, a mainstay very shortly. Which you've got Copa America coming up as well. You've got you know quite a few international dates where they could lose him. So maybe that you know incentivizes them to hurry up. Someone like shern or or get Elmed um, Carr or somebody like that MLS ready.
2: Yeah, I do wonder how much of this we're going to find out over time. And this gets back to the the Benny story is how much of this are guys that they sign because they believe they are profit opportunities versus how much they actually intend to use them as hey we're trying to win something additions to the roster
0: they'll never say in advance we'll only know by what happens with them yeah yeah
2: because like the sure guy and even the vargas and the O'Brien like these these foreign guys that they the foreign internationals that they that's stupid to say the international guys that they bring in you always wonder how, you know, what the point is. And if they're young and they're really good and suddenly they start to produce, if they get the opportunity to turn around and sell them at a profit, now Santos isn't maybe the exact perfect example considering his age. Uh, it just does make you wonder uh, how quickly they'll start churning these guys in and out of the roster as we uh, uh, go through the next season or three or four or five.
0: Well, Dallas sells themselves as a stepping stone. Uh, you know, yeah. not just to domestics, but also to international players. You know, like they use Mauro as an example. You know, they're, they're willing to move you on if you hit the next level.
1: It's funny you mentioned, like, uh, you know, Dan was talking about the business of soccer a little bit, how, you know, he and Clark have never taken a dollar out. It's all reinvestment. And one of the things he did say that kind of wasn't just kind of the blah, 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 but kind of uh, did strike me a little bit was that they've had a lot of uh, a much better reaction to South American and Central American players towards North Texas SC based purely on the players that get to go on training camps and things with Bayern Munich. And uh, players that, you know, Bayern have turned around to FC Dallas and said, hey, uh, you know, we, we do think X, Y, and Z could potentially, you know, project to, to play in the Bayern first team at some point. Wow.
2: It Yeah, it just really continues to foster and uh, improve the theory that FC Dallas is, is a weird entity in the scheme of things uh, in relation to any other major league soccer team. And, Buzz, you and I have talked about this a lot, which is unlike every other club in this league, the senior team, the MLS team, is actually – uh, the marketing tool to really support the larger business at hand, which is the youth structure underneath it, like it's like, come play for us because we are a path to your pro career. And by the way, we just happen to also have this senior MLS team on top, uh, you know, included in this thing. Does that make you understand what I am saying?
0: Oh yeah, totally. No, Lucci from day one has said this is a developmental club. You know, even this year in this pre- spring, it's in the spring, in the preseason before like camp started. He said specifically, no, what he called a selling team, the selling club has never won MLS Cup. He said, why not us? Why can't we be the selling team that wins it? Well, the reason is just because you don't have the top end difference makers. But I applaud his uh, mentality and his desire, and they're trying their damnedest to bring in the way they always do young Americans and young foreign players and develop them enough where. The talent's going to come together and they're going to try and make a run. You know, I mean, Barrios, in a lot of ways, was that guy. He came in young and he developed and became a great player. Mario Diaz came in young, developed a little, youngish, developed a little bit and they sold him. So it's not always the same path, but this is what they do. They find youngish players, both foreign and domestic, and they try and develop them to either sell them or help them get better and win games. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, they certainly did that with Grezo. I think they tried to do that with Colman. Unfortunately, Colman just couldn't uh, score a goal to save his life. Um, and I th- I'm sure we could, if you if, if we had thought about this prior to starting recording, we could have come up with a, an entire list of those international guys that they brought in that either turned out. Now, the Santos deal, uh, that's a guy who's older and certainly wasn't young, but you know, they clearly made a little bit of money off the guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could look at Obreon too at 25 and being a late bloomer. He might be looking at this as like a chance to get seen. And Ricarte, who's been an MVP-type type player in his league but has never made the leap for some reason, maybe he saw this as a way to showcase himself on TV. You know, European teams are looking at MLS these days. You know, it's a high-profile league in a lot of ways um, For if you're trying to make the next step anyway. So Dallas is trying to take advantage of that. Now, listen, we would all love for them to take advantage of what things the way other people do. But 25 years in, Peter, we know that that's not going to happen here. We know this is what we have, so we embrace it and we watch it and we try and cover it as best we can, top to bottom, Academy and signings and everything. So, you know, in some ways it's a lot of fun to try and figure out how these kids are going to develop. It gives me something to talk about, certainly.
2: Dan, anything else from the uh, final media call before the start of the season with Lucci and uh, Mr. Hunt that you listened to today that you'd like to share with the good pod listener?
1: No, no. A lot of it was kind of looking back. Uh, It's funny you mentioned uh, what happens to the 25th anniversary stuff. Does it shift another year? Because our very own Nico Mendez asked exactly that. Oh, did he? And what was the answer? Uh, It was kind of, you know, circle talk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) In other words, they don't really know.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, they know on the business side of things, they held back the Mitchell and Ness uh, throwback gear a year, and now that's been released, but yeah, yeah, I guess they're just kind of, uh... oh, one thing, actually, Dan Hunt did make a point of uh, giving our, our mutual friend and uh, former team GM, uh, Andy Swift, a shout out to say that, you know, the the. League owned years were were rough, and Andy and his team were the really the only reason it survived to that point.
0: Oh, nice. Well,
2: that's nice to uh, to hear that. That's yeah. what, uh, Now, but I want to know what 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 created that response. Like, what was the question or the context behind it?
1: Um, sorry, I'm kind of Notice Andy Reid. So, okay. So it was actually to Nico's question. He said, you know, uh, they're going to go back and revisit some things this year. Uh big thing that they do at uh, the Chiefs is recognize the alumni, but they're not entirely sure how they're going to bring people in and do that with COVID restrictions and everything. Um, you know, so the first person he kind of mentioned was, um, you know, that, that, the league it's kind of difficult as well. I think he meant because records and stuff um, that Dallas and San Jose was league-owned in those first few years. And then he kind of said, you know, there's so many people that deserve, didn't get the credit they deserve. Uh, and then he specifically mentioned Andy.
2: Ah. Yeah, I, it, I do sometimes get a sense that there is a significant percentage of the current fan base that have no idea or would never, you know, and I don't blame them for not knowing this about the history of the club dating back to the original days, and the fact that it didn't have an owner. Like the Dallas Burn I just wasn't want Andy owned. to
1: write a book.
2: Yeah, Andy's got amazing yeah. stories. He's told some of them on the show, um, but but the fact that you know Dallas was uh, the redheaded stepchild of the league and <laughs> is is something I I think largely gets forgotten, and the fact that they were as successful as they were in selling tickets to the cotton bowl and all of that uh i don't think has ever truly been documented or noted or appreciated as much as it should be
0: yeah between andy and and anybody bobby hammond would be a good one too to recognize his contributions early well
2: billy hicks right like yeah billy hicks the original gm and i mean billy was a man i mean first off for those who don't know who billy hicks is billy hicks has a stunning career He was part of the original NFL uh, uh, Europe League. He was the general manager of the London team. Um, He was part of launching Major League Soccer. And then he left uh, Dallas to go become part of the XFL.
0: Yeah, I remember when Dallas got him, what a great hire that was uh, at the time. I remember thinking that was a huge hire. You know, it's a shame that they couldn't get, give him. But, you know, he was a perfect guy to get this league and steam off the ground in Dallas, I thought, at yeah. the time. I mean, listen, we've been talking about inviting back alums to this team, Peter, you and I, for 10, 15 years, that they mm-hmm. should do that. You know, and it's just another example of what they talk about. This is, For three years now, they've been telling me that the Texas Soccer Walk of Fame is going to be come inside. And they got, like, three years ago, they told me they bought all the plaques for it. And three years later, they're still sitting in a closet somewhere. You mean so, stickers? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's stickers inside you know, joke, inside it, joke. It got run over in the hall of fame stuff, you know, cause they didn't want to seem like they were taking a shot at the hall of fame or whatever, but it's like, look, you have a history beyond the, you know, of your own. Let's not neglect that. They need to get that taken care of But Hopefully they will someday. That'd be nice.
2: There's people listening to the pod who uh, know who got the sticker joke. And I just want credit for that.
1: Yeah. That's good. They're, That's a quality they're the season ticket holders.
2: Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, Billy. Billy also uh, worked for the Dallas Cowboys uh, when Jerry Jones bought the team. He was also an employee then uh, during that trans uh, that transformation. And has some <laughs> awesome stories about Jerry Jones uh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. it's great stuff. So. Uh, we need to spend more time talking about the original Dallas Burns stuff. Okay, uh, I guess we're now at that point of Buzz's crayon handwritten run sheet. We are at season predictions, are we not, Mr. Buzz?
0: Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. Go ahead.
2: All right, so you have three things you want us to predict. Uh, place a finish for Dallas, Dallas's leading scorer, and yeah. who will be MLS champ. Now, I'm assuming that you mean who will win MLS Cup.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean.
2: Okay, yeah. all right.
0: Good. We can debate Supporter Shield versus MLS Cup some other day, but um, MLS champ is MLS Cup. Yes, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, so let's do a place of finish for FC Dallas first. Dan, would you like to tell everybody who where you think they'll end up?
1: Okay. So uh, we obviously have a bit of an offensive rebuild, and my belief is if it... Or pans out successfully, you're looking at fourth or fifth. If it fails miserably, you're looking at potentially out the playoffs. So I'm going to go somewhere between that fourth and sixth, and say uh, fourth <laughs> and eighth. And I've given away my answer and say sixth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a, that was a interesting peek inside of Dan Dan Crook's brain. Uh, yeah. okay, it's, it's the bourbon, I swear. So we should we should also point out that we do know that the MLS playoffs will be the top seven from each conference first place gets a bye, and uh they'll play from there but other than that we don't really know the structure of the playoffs they have not yet determined that which is the most mls thing ever they'll start a season without deciding and obviously it's because they think they want to be prepared for any kind of fallout from a a a wave of covid washing over the country once again so uh, we just know it's the top seven so i'm going to say that i think this is another uh, season like all the others pretty much. And I think they'll probably end up somewhere just uh, on the uh, positive side of the playoff line somewhere in sixth or seventh.
0: All right. That leaves me uh, at the beginning of camp. I was with you on sixth and seventh. I have revised that slightly to go in fifth place. And the reason it's fifth place is because in, in a league like major league soccer, if you hold steady, you will go backwards in the standings So if you've done something to make yourself better, you can make a little bit of a step forward. So for me, that's seeing Vargas pay off. We think O'Brien pay off. We think Hara, I'm not convinced, but I've seen enough out of Pepe and or Jesus till he got hurt that I think the front line is fine. So Mm -hmm. I'm sticking with fifth. I think they, I think they're a little bit better than last year and finished fifth.
2: Okay. The next Excuse me. The next item is leading scorer for the club. Uh, Buzz, who do you think? Will, oh, I'll go first. Let, I'll go first this one. Uh, I think the leading scorer, and I'm just pulling this one straight out of my butt, will be Mr. Vargas.
0: Ooh, that's a good shout. That was a good shout. Um, I'm sticking with what originally was a crazy prediction. When Dan and I did our crazy predictions, I'm sticking with my crazy prediction that Ricardo Pepe will lead this team in scoring because I'm expecting Frank O'Hara to flame out and Jesus will be gone on call-ups or hurt. And yeah. Pepe will end up being your leading scorer with something like eight or nine goals.
2: <laughs> well, you certainly, uh, your prediction, and you made that prediction a few weeks ago, actually you know, gained a lot of ground based on uh, Jesus's injury. And if he's yeah. out for five or more weeks, uh, Pepe's going to have plenty of opportunities to, uh, to bag goals.
0: Yeah, Pepe's XG is the same or even slightly better than Hara's XG and Pepe gets hardly any minutes. So if you gave you know um Har- if you gave Hara's minutes to Pepe, Pepe would score crap tons of goals because it's not I didn't say that correctly. His XG is actually way better than Hara's. He just doesn't get the minutes. So it's right. you know, uh I think that he'll get enough minutes that he'll be ahead of Hara,
1: even though Hara's gonna get the PKs, I think. Pepe will outdo okay.
2: him. All right.
1: Dan. Dan. Obvious answer is Jimmy Mauer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty close. Uh, goals shared around the team a little bit. So, no, you know, if anyone gets to 10, that's going to kind of be a miracle. But I'm going to go with uh, with Hira just for the penalties.
2: Okay. Now, Buzz, you didn't include this in the list, but I think it's an important one to, to do. Who do you think am going – I'm actually going to add two here. Who do you think the MVP of the team will be this year, Buzz?
0: Mm. Wow, I uh, wasn't ready for that question. That's um, why I
2: surprised you with it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to go with um, Ricarte as MVP in the middle. Okay. I, think he'll, I think if he stays healthy, uh, that he'll get enough
1: assists and be the key player
0: in the middle.
2: Dan,
1: I'm going to actually agree and say uh not so much him figuring out the team as much as the team figuring out how to play with him and you know maybe we get some uh, production like we saw towards the end of preseason. I'm going to go
2: with the utility tool, Mr. Hollingshead. You can't call him a tool. How dare you? I mean that is a compliment. <laughs> I, I just have this weird feeling that Ryan, it, whether he ends up playing on the right or the left, um, just will continue to uh, plow through minutes and uh, and, and provide con- uh, consistently positive results for the team. And I think he will be the MVP of the season for some weird reason. The other one that I want to know is, uh, and I don't know if the best way to uh, label this category a uh, breakout player, surprise player. Uh, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like it has to be a kid, but who's the one player on the team? Maybe not the most valuable player, but the one player that's going to give us the most pleasant or the most uh, disturbing surprise, one way or the other.
0: Can I pick Freddie Vargas, or is that already no? Uh, you can totally pick Vargas. Yeah, I'm sticking with Freddie Vargas. Um, he uh, is not. Um, blistering fast, but he has plenty of fast. When you combine it with the skill set he brings and his aggressive mentality and his uh, his desire to go at people, all that adds up to chaos maker. He's like Paxton in the sense that he puts defenses under stress, and so I think that's going to be a huge. I almost considered him for MVP actually, and I loved your shout out that he might be the leading scorer because I think that guy's going to wreck havoc over the first part of the season until people figure him out, as long as he doesn't get broken in half by everybody fouling the tar out of him, which is okay. happening already.
2: I'm going to go with uh, the new center back, Martinez, but I'm going to say it this way. I, I think we are going to get to a certain part of the season and have to take note of how little we talk about him because he's just so solid at what he does. If that makes any sense?
0: Yeah, it
1: does.
2: That's going to be my uh, pick for that. Dan, you got one?
1: Uh, Mr. Jonathan Nelson. Uh, says ah. you know it's all gonna. I think it's gonna start to click a little more going forward as you know he's been progressing with uh, Ryan out on the right. I think he's probably gonna, you know, excel a little bit there with uh, a good run in the team. Didn't was it you that wrote the article about him today? It was yes. Anything
2: I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Did um, any was there any particular part of that? Did you get to talk to him personally, or?
1: Uh, so it was actually from a couple of weeks ago. I did a media call, and I was the only person on it. So it was basically just a one-on-one <laughs> with uh, Johnny Nelson, and then another one with Brisson. Uh But you know, we talked a little bit about his possession, uh, his positional flexibility. And how he kind of laid it out with Lucci of saying, yeah, I can play right back. I can play defensive midfield. I can play center back in a in a back three. But I want to be the starting left back. That's what I want. Hmm. And so yeah. far, he's kind of doing that. Yeah, man. I'm more Johnny
2: Nelson in my FC Dallas. I'm all for that. I, I, I love watching the kid grow and improve in his game and figure out things that maybe he didn't do so well the game before. And he's been lots of fun to watch because you can clearly see he is a player that figures things out and improves from game to game. Now he may still make mistakes, but that's part of the process, right? But that, in many ways, is part of the enjoyment of watching him as part of the team.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I feel like as you know, some people want to watch uh, Cristiano or, or Leo Messi, where it's just absolute perfection game to game. I want to see the player that that progresses from game to game, that learns, that takes a step forward, or maybe takes two forward and one back, and you can actually see the wheels turning.
2: Yeah. Um, do we have any sense? Or, so we don't know if Dallas is even participating in the Open Cup this year, do we? So we don't even n- know if we could predict them to make a run in the Open Cup, right?
0: Yeah, the the, the MLS determ- is going to determine who's in the M- Open Cup by the early game. I can't remember how many it is. It's like whoever, Three, after well. a certain number of weeks, it's like whoever's in the top points. Um, you know, So we'll see. <laughs> Dallas will make a push for that, though. I guarantee you. They're going to try and start hot because they're going to want to be in it. You know how they are about the cup.
2: Okay. So the other thing that happened today was that the uh, team chose to uh, put out a – Peter, you skipped the the last prediction. Oh, the last prediction. Maybe because I was the one I didn't want to talk about. All right. (laughs) Because it's the one thing, the only thing that this guy wants in life more than anything else is to see his team raise the MLS Cup Who's going to win MLS Cup? And I'll start this one. I am going to go with everybody else's prediction and say the crew. And, I, and here's the deal. The crew are going to do it because they're opening up that new kick-ass stadium. Um, and uh, I think they're going to – I think they'll do it this year again. I think they'll be back-to-back champs.
1: Dan, go ahead. Uh, LAFC with a healthy uh, Vela. Okay. I
0: should have gone first. I was also going to pick LAFC hmm interesting okay yeah, I think okay this
1: is the year that they uh how, how about we repick with an injured Carlos Vela oh then it's definitely not picking them <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny I typically would not pick a team that is playing in a new stadium because I'm a big believer in the new stadium jinx it's very real it is it's a very real thing yeah but for some reason the crew I just think are really good um um but it it is interesting. Are, am I right in saying there are three new stadiums this season? There's Cincinnati, there's Columbus, and Austin. Yeah. And if we haven't even talked about the video that Cincinnati put out of that kickass looking place, have you seen that? Oh, yes.
1: actually, go on ML, on the Imagine thing, the media site. There is a promo all about the stadiums, like as they've been built through from '96. It is amazing.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, all the MLS stadiums. It's,
1: yeah, it's only like a two-minute thing, just talking about like '96 uh, to now. But it, it's very cool, kind of seeing the progression and uh, and the way they kind of talk about it a little bit. Well, it's
2: interesting to me because Austin's media team is so good at producing videos and and kind of building anticipation and their ability to kind of build narratives about their team and all of this noise they're making about that stadium that they've built in North Austin. By the way, my favorite is is that people are calling them North Austin FC. (laughs) because the stadium is in North Austin. Um, You know, they've made this stadium to be out as like some sort of -of state-of-the-art wonder building, but then you see the video of uh, what Cincinnati's about to open up, and it makes Austin look like a shoebox, and then you see the Columbus Stadium, and you're like, holy cow, we've got some really fine establishments being built in this league and the austin one for as nice as the people of austin think it is is nowhere even anywhere near in the class of these two other buildings
1: the austin stadium kind of looks like if uh you know an efl league one team opened up like a what for their budget state of the art you'd be like okay that's nice it's tidy cincinnati that's like Premier League, Bundesliga, yeah. Serie. That's that's world class. But are you are you
2: aware of the video I'm talking about? They that they have there's one entire side of the Cincinnati Stadium which is essentially the a lights. giant video board.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it's awesome. It, it looks it's like, really great. It looks like Bayern Stadium, I thought.
1: Oh, except Bayern can't do that. They just have light little panels that light up.
0: Right, no, but I meant stylistically like with the big oh. white sort of thing around. I know they don't have the they, it's not quite the video board but it stylistically looks like that I thought.
2: And then did you You're guys right? see did you see the video from Louisville of their women's team playing their NWSL game and the amazing game day experience that they've built into that really nice new stadium which is a very nice stadium unto its own right by the way. With all the LED lighting and how they, you know, flicker all the purple lights and stuff? Have no, you seen missed, that video?
0: I uh, do no, I'll have to look for it. Oh,
2: dude, that's awesome. That is a game day experience of a high order.
0: They got great kits too, that Lewis City team. That yeah, Lewis they, team.
2: they hired the uh, Wolf guy to produce all that stuff. And they've built. they they've got two oh. kits that are really, really nice. Yes.
1: Did, uh, did you happen to say that the Rochester Rhinos, uh, now that they've gone, they've been replaced by Flower City Union. <laughs> Whose crest and colors are just basically Racing Louisville? Oh, they stole uh, it. Bummer. But in uh, NISA,
2: ah. yeah, the Racing Louisville uh, branding that they hired that guy to do is really good, and he's also the guy that they've hired. What's Wolf's first name? Matthew, Matt Wolf, I think his name I think is. So, yeah,
0: Chicago hired him,
2: right? Chicago has hired him, yeah. and Chicago, you know, for all of the f- fumbling they've done with that rebranding they have gotten their crap together and they've been very communicative uh, communicative and transparent about this process the third time around but they've got the right guy doing it he is he is the tops of the uh, of the heap when it comes to soccer branding and the stuff he did for Louisville their female team is their women's team is really really good the kits are fantastic
1: i think the important part with with chicago is that they've actually set a guideline. They've said they want the Florian Cross, they want the sea, they want this the six pointed stars and the city flag because I mean if you look at some of his other stuff where he doesn't get that direction, it's kind of boring.
2: Well I you know, and credit to him, I you know, what you think is boring, I think is classic, right? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I know what
0: Dan means though, because a lot of people that are really creative talk about limiting themselves. I mean, Jack White, for example, talks about the three color thing and like that. try and all their songs are written with like a certain number of chords or something, because like constraining himself forces himself to get creative. And so a lot of times if you get your most creative stuff when you do have some level of constraint on yourself.
2: Well, um, I think we'll keep an eye on how all of that plays out. I just, uh, uh, and I'm very interested to go to a game in Austin. I want to see what the stadium looks like. I oh. just don't think it's as kick-ass as they think it is. Oh,
1: well, of course we need to go to a game there, yeah. yeah. Just think make... it will take you quicker to get to it than it would to get from there to downtown Austin.
0: That's true. It's
1: because <laughs> of the traffic, yeah.
2: <laughs> For sure. Okay, uh, any other predictions you want to m- just make up on the fly? Like no, get, that... like, hit, like here, anybody want to come up with a crazy uh, story that they think will happen during the season? Like a, a prediction of something that you would just out of the blue?
0: How about the first coach to get fired? Do You guys want to predict that?
2: Uh, that's got to be like the Vancouver coach or the Montreal. Like they just hired a new yep, coach, Stam. didn't they?
1: Yeah, Yabsdim's yep, a good one.
2: The Cincinnati man. There's so much a hype
1: with that Brenner guy, but they've still got a crap team.
2: Yeah, they spent a lot of money on that kid, didn't they?
1: I
0: think. I think there's a chance that. Um, he might quit would be Altameda, San Jose.
2: Yeah. He'll get an offer to go play. I mean, he gets offers for Mexico pretty much on the regular. So yeah, I mean, he turned down happening. one
0: other one. That's what I mean. It's like, I think he'll realize that he can't, isn't have the support there to sign mm-hmm. the players he really wants. And so he'll eventually he'll take a job, that's not the same as getting fired, of course, but it won't shock me if he just was like, it's so bad. he's like, screw it. I'm out and takes whatever offer he gets.
1: And yeah. How long will Phil never last? A season, at least. Yeah, probably
2: the season. I, I got to tell you, the team that I'm really trying to keep an eye on that I just I can't quite figure out because he's finally getting some uh, a proper number nine is our buddy Oscar in Orlando. You know, they were a pretty solid team last year. Uh, DK, I, I think, is not coming. mean, it's pretty safe to say he's not coming back. But they've got Pato, the Brazilian guy, who's now 31. If they can get anything out of him, there's a lot of talent on that team. And with Oscar, as well as we know him, man, that's a, they could be a dangerous side.
0: Yeah. Well, with the price of 20, was it 20 million on DK? Well, if I think they, they
2: turned down a 10 million. And I think now yeah. with the rate that kid's scoring over in the championship, it's, it continues to go up. Yeah.
0: If they can keep him, I think they have a shot at the cup too. It might be I, the best team in the East. Yeah. That's a big if though.
2: Has he scored on Lutontown yet, Dan?
0: Yeah, two the other day. Oh, bastard. Yep. Yeah. I'm not happy. Yep. I'm not I, happy about that. I have one more thing I wanted to say, Peter, just because people have asked me a little bit about it, about because I went to practice today. A couple people have asked me and about And you're a practice. little drunk? No, 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 no. I'm not a little <laughs> drunk. I only have like two sips of this stuff.
2: Okay.
0: Um, people ask me about practice observations. And the answer is I'm not going to do it. And the reason is because, standing and watching practice and then writing up some notes on it was only one third of what was in practice observations. The other two thirds was little bits of information that I would get from Lucci when the microphone was turned off. And then it was a couple of quotes from Lucci. So like that, that section of like not just me watching, but the little section of news and the little section of quotes are both currently not allowed or currently can't happen. So it's only with only one third of the thing, I'm not going to do it until mm-hmm. they let, they let us have media time with Lucci at training. And then I'll bring all that other stuff back and start doing it again. Okay. I just wanted to talk about it. Cause people, a couple people asked if that was, no,
2: I mean, and that's, like, that's a, that's a beloved feature that you were cranking out week after week. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's it sucks 99, that you, you still can't continue to do it, but you know, with things getting, uh, things are, have clearly improved here in Texas. Um, and are getting better, yeah. uh, I think that will, it's more than likely that it will be more back to normal than not um, sooner than later, right? I yeah,
0: I got my shot. I'm good.
2: Did you yep. get the j and J?
0: I did get the JJ,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, JJ, all right. Yeah, are you shot, shot up? Are you shot up, Dan?
1: Yep. Go. Uh, yeah, I uh, couldn't do the podcast last week because of it.
2: Oh, that's why you weren't around last well, week. Well, the
1: week before, whenever it was.
2: Whenever it was. Okay.
1: Because oh. we were going to do the Wednesday, and then we ended up having to move it. Um, but, you know, all this just leads to richer discussion about practice in the pod. So uh, silver
2: linings. Yes. Uh, and do we want,
1: those do, awesome uh, third-degree bands. Yeah, <laughs> those are good too. Patreon.com slash third-degree.
2: All right, any off-field stuff that we want to talk about? Any uh, uh, stuff in preparation for game number one?
0: Uh, I mean, the only thing really was the, the, the fake sellout was really the only thing.
2: Oh, yeah, that's what I was getting ready to talk about was the press release that the club decided needed to promote the fact that they had sold out a limited seated game. So is it
0: 50% of the stadium? Yep. Yeah.
2: So it's 10,000.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, is it? I mean, last year, COVID limitation was five, and then
1: they made it three. So is it 10K or is it three? I don't well, know. Th- it should be 10k since they're talking about 50% of the capacity rather than like a hard limitation like they had last time. And
2: am I also to understand that the safe standing area will not be open yet because they're not to that point of the season in terms of how that's going to work out?
1: Uh no, they've actually sold it out um between people who uh, renewed from when they were had seats there and and supporter group uh, members. um We've kind of known for a couple of weeks, but one cool thing was they uh the Dallas Beer Guardians announced the name for the new section, which will be yeah. the Rhine.
2: That's a great name, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good.
2: Obviously a tribute of Bobby Rhine.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. I asked uh, Dan Hunt about it and he just uh he kinda of went <laughs> he completely know. No, he oh yeah, I don't think he did, but he went off on a tangent about uh, you know, walking past the picture of uh Papi's last goal. Uh, with, with Bobby Roan uh, holding him with the, the cast in the air and everything and uh, yeah, and Bobby's smile and, and some uh, little anecdotes. So, you know, something that was kind of cool, even if he didn't talk too much about the actual stand itself. And Buzz,
2: uh, because I've asked this question a thousand times, so they're just going to leave this empty uh, stadium stage with nothing on it. You, you're saying you've heard that they're going to do something They're going to put Toyota trucks on it.
1: Well, no, that was actually Dan. That, that was me.
2: Oh, Dan, sorry.
1: Yeah, they're going to put Toyotas on it and uh, let them get dinged <laughs> a, up by flying balls.
2: <laughs> it's a showroom. Now we're selling cars. Well, I mean,
1: cars. you know, if it's it's a smart use of an empty space to uh, to advertise. It might be a little bit of a sore point for fans that wanted to stay at the North End, but, you know, it beats the inflatables that used to be there, right?
2: Well, you know, I got an idea. I just came up with a kick-ass idea. When goals are scored, the cars and trucks that are up on the stage should flash their lights and beep their horns.
1: That'd be pretty mm. cool, actually. That's and an fire an off gig. their car alarms. Yeah, that's an intern oh, can game, game for you. you. Yeah, can you imagine being the intern that has to sit in the car and it's like, don't turn on the air conditioning. We must use as little gas as possible. It's
0: 100 degrees out, you got to sit in the car. <laughs>
1: Oh, they're all
2: LED lighting and, and computer controlled yeah. these days. You can do that with some sort of app now, I'm sure, yeah. if you wanted to do app. it. Yeah. Just push a button and get them fired up and make Ooh. them make all kinds of noise.
1: That's uh, That would be a pretty cool suggestion. You should uh, go ahead and...
2: Yeah. I'm full of kick-ass music. ideas, Dan. You know this. Let's see what else we want to all talk about. Right. Anything else, Buzz?
0: No, that's a lot, dude.
2: That is a lot. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed your bacon-flavored whiskey. Oh, did that's I? pretty good.
0: Yeah, Trent Desmook, thanks, my dude. That was awesome. Yeah, that was solid.
2: Yeah, very good. Would uh, recommend. Yeah, all right. Well, Dan, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Bill. Buzz, thank you for your time.
0: Oh, thank you, sir, for hosting.
2: Don't forget Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. MLS first kick sale continues through Friday, which is the 16th, and there you can find $15 hats and T-shirts, all the other gear. Don't forget Third Degree listeners get 25% off with the promo code Third Degree at checkout over at Soccer90.com. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fans. We will speak to you next week after Game 1 in the pocket at Third Degree, the
1: podcast. Whiskey Wednesday. Third degree, the third degree now podcast. Third degree, the third degree in a podcast. Third degree, the third degree near podcast. Third degree, the third degree near podcast